0: value investing expert, Trey Henniger. Hello and welcome to episode 63 of the DIY Investing Podcast. My name is Trey Henniger, and I'm your host. In today's episode, I want to discuss the alignment between portfolio management and investing strategy. Before I get started, I want to make a short request. If you haven't already, please consider giving this podcast a rating and review today. You can rate this podcast in your podcast player. I would really appreciate your ratings as that helps me to grow the show's audience. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, be aware that I also write a blog at diyinvesting.org. I tweet. I tweet on Twitter about investing, and you can follow me at Trey Henniger. and you can find a link to both the blog and my Twitter account in the show notes. I also publish videos on YouTube and have a YouTube channel. So again, like or subscribe to this podcast to continue getting great content. So let's dive in. So the topic for today that we're discussing is the idea that your investing portfolio should reflect your investing strategy. You see, the point that I want to make and the key assertion throughout this show is that not every value stock is right for every value investor. So I'm a value investor. I believe that a core principle and tenet that underlies my investing strategy is that I want to pay a cheap price and get more value than I'm paying for something. So I want to buy dollars for 70 cents or less. I want to get a good deal. I want to save money on my purchase price and have that be a key proponent of how I earn money in the stock market. So that's an underlying tenet of my philosophy and it's the general underlying component of the whole podcast and through each episode that underlies a lot of the topics that I discuss is that we're trying as value investors to buy something for less than it's worth. This is a difficult pastime. It's difficult because people disagree on what assets are worth and there are so many different assets out there. but. What's critical is to recognize is that just because an asset is on sale or an asset trades for less than what it appears to be worth does not mean it's an asset that you that you should consider buying. And I'm using asset here very broadly because it can defi- be applied to many different things. Just like you can flip cars or flip houses. You can buy a car from a junkyard, fix it up and sell it um, to, to double your money. You can also buy cheap houses at bankruptcy auctions, turn them around and sell them for a profit. You can do the same thing with stocks and bonds. You can buy them when they're cheap and sell them when they're they're more expensive and that's a way of earning money in the stock market. But just because an asset is cheaper than what it's worth does not mean it is an asset that you should buy. Just because a stock is cheap does not mean it fits your strategy. So you need to be aware of what the lines are around of which companies and which types of investments fit your investing strategy. And you not only need to be aware of this, you need to make sure not to make a mistake in buying what you're not supposed to buy. Let's dive into kind of a little bit more detail here to what I mean. So I consider probably my preferred companies that I like to buy, I like to buy quality companies. I've talked a lot in the podcast before about how to identify quality businesses, what are the key characteristics of those businesses, and what makes them predictable and allow you to make money by buying quality businesses. So it means that because I'm focused on quality businesses, that I'm going to be attracted to certain things but I also wanna buy those quality businesses at cheap prices. The difficulty becomes when quality businesses are not available at cheap prices, but other types of businesses are. And this is going to be a common struggle that I go through with my strategy. Now, some of your struggles might be a little different, so you need to adapt that to your way of thinking. But one of the struggles that I have is that when I'm looking at investments, Every investment can be valued as the discounted cash flows discounted the all of the sum of all future cash flows discounted back to the present. I've talked before about the discount rate that I like to use is 10% and that I'm looking out in cash flows into the future. And so even though I don't tend to always use a discounted cash flow model, it's the way in which I'm thinking about my investments, which means if I know a company is going to provide dividends of $100 a year, and those dividends are going to grow, then I can make a valuation for that company. But just because I determine, let's say the stock is worth $50 and it's trading for $30, doesn't mean I should buy it. And I think this is a counterintuitive concept for people because the other piece that I'm running in my portfolio is I'm running a very concentrated portfolio. My ideal portfolio setup is to own five companies at a 20% weighting in each of them. Now, what does that mean for my portfolio matching my investing strategy? You see, my investing strategy is to own five companies at 20% each and it's for those companies to be high-quality companies. And those things match because you can't concentrate your investments in a company that's not high-quality. And you can't concentrate your investment in a company that is not high-conviction because it causes the strategy to break down. For instance... If I were to put 20% of my portfolio into a company that fails or goes bankrupt, that's devastating to the portfolio. If instead I was running a diversified portfolio and I'm running 30 or 50 stocks, let's say I have 50 stocks and only put 2% into each company, if one of the 50 stocks goes bankrupt, that's not devastating to the portfolio performance. What it means is that you can be willing to invest in companies that might have a catastrophic failure risk if you're investing in a diversified portfolio. But if your portfolio is not widely diversified, then you have to fully eliminate any company that has any reasonable chance of catastrophic failure risk if you're going to invest as a concentrated investor. And this has become relevant to me as I've grown my investing experience because I've learned to screen out additional types of investments that I otherwise wouldn't consider that I would have considered in the past, but I don't anymore as I've concentrated my portfolio more and more. And this can be a problem because other investors are going to influence you and the types of companies that you're interested in. If you spend any time at all talking to other investors, reading the writings of other investors, you're going to be influenced and you're going to have ideas proposed on what is a good investment idea for you. And you're going to want to copy those investors when they're performing well. When you see evidence that their strategy is working, it's going to feel instinctually like you should copy some of what they're doing. It is difficult to see other investors earn 30% annualized returns if you aren't earning that. And then you're going to start to wonder, what are they doing differently than I am? Why is their strategy working and my strategy isn't? And the key point is to remember that your strategy is going to be different from other investors and importantly, it's going to be unique to you, but you need to understand where those important parts of your strategy can't be changed to take on other options. One of the common style of investments that value investors like, and I've they've appealed to me in the past as well, are what I'm going to call a coin flip investment, or it's some sort of binary outcome. This is an investment where, you know, Monish Pabrai talks about them a lot. It's the types of investments where maybe heads I win and tails I don't lose that much. So the idea is maybe you triple your money if it flips heads. And if it flips tails, you might lose 10% or 20% or something along those lines. It's not a huge amount. Maybe you only lose a couple percent. Um, But you're waiting on some sort of binary outcome. Maybe this is a biotechnology company that's waiting to announce a product. Maybe it's a company that faces a lot of operating leverage or has a lot of leverage, and if it works out, you can double or triple your money very quickly. And if it doesn't work out, well, then the outcome could be potentially bad. Maybe the company goes bankrupt, but, un- but less likely than they go bankrupt. Maybe you have a situation where they could either double in a year or they're going to lose half their money in a year. Those types of situations can be very interesting from a value investor. So let's take away the example of double in a year and say it's going to be either double in a year or you lose 20%. Well, if you say each of those two probabilities has a 50% chance of success, then what you have to do is you can do a weighted average of the two possibilities and say what the net current expected value is of that investment. So if we say 20% loss would mean that your starting $100 investment would be $80 in a year, and we have a 50% chance of that success. So that binary outcome is worth $40. And that's $80 times 50% is $40. So the second possible outcome is doubling your money from $100 to $200. Well, this outcome is worth $200 with a 50% chance of success. So 200 times 50% is $100. If you add those two together, your expected value in a year is $140. This would mean if you have outcome investments like this, this is very attractive because now you have, you're have, you putting in $100 with an expected value in a year of $140. Were you to have a lot of these, you could create a portfolio with a 40% annualized return expectation. That's attractive, but it's not attractive for every value investor. This is an attractive outcome for diversified value investors because what happens is if you have 50 of these ideas this can be really good. You can fill a portfolio with 50 of these ideas and half of them are going to work, half of them aren't. But across the whole portfolio, you're you could expect to achieve your 40% annualized return. Of course I'm making up numbers for each of these pieces But these types of investments that can be binary outcomes where it goes really well or badly for you can work if the expected value is high enough. But expected value investments don't work for concentrated portfolios. If you were to put an expected value investment into a portfolio of only five companies, well, let's say you only have two of those investments. Well, That means you're going to have 20% in one company, 20% in another company, and you have 40% of your portfolio in these two types of investments. Now, they're basically coin flips. Well, it's not uncommon for two coin flips to go heads in a row or two coin flips to go tails in a row. It could work out really well for you, but it could also devastate your portfolio if you have an investment that only has a 50% chance of success. What this means is that a concentrated investor, like myself, can't put investments in their portfolio that are coin flip investments. They need to invest in companies that have 80%, 90%, 95% probabilities of success with only a 5% probability of failure. Instead, these need to be very high conviction ideas where it's not heads I win, tails I don't lose so much. It would be heads I win big, tails I win small. Those are the types of investments that have to be allocated to a concentrated portfolio. And this is what makes it really important that you understand what your investing strategy is. Because if you're running a concentrated portfolio you can only make investments that fit a concentrated portfolio if you're making if you're running a diversified portfolio you need to be making investments that fit a diversified portfolio if you've listened to this so far you might be thinking well hey a diversified portfolio should be using those same concentrated type investments. I should find the companies that are heads I win big, tails I win small. But that might not necessarily be true. The idea of these coin flip investments can be actually better for a diversified portfolio than a high conviction idea for a diversified portfolio. Because one of the key things is I talked about how that one coin flip investment had an expected value of a 40% annualized return over the course of a year. Well, most of the high conviction ideas that you might find in a concentrated portfolio might only have an expected value of 10% or 15%, but they might be very high confidence of earning a 10, 15, or 20% return from that one idea. They're very sure as a concentrated investor, that that idea will earn them a 15 to 20% return. Versus in a diversified portfolio, the diversified investor is not 95% confident that company seven is going to earn them a 40% return this year. But they could, if they have a full portfolio of those type of ideas, be confident that the portfolio could earn that torpor return. So you really need to understand, am I building a portfolio, that is heavily independent on my individual company choice or am I building a portfolio that earns its returns based upon the distributed average of the outcomes for my portfolio? Am I accepting a failure or am I not accepting a failure? My portfolio is being structured differently probably than your portfolio in large part because I would assume most of my audience does not run as concentrated of a portfolio as I do. Now, currently, I believe I own seven stocks. Um, there have been periods of time where I've owned as many as 12 to 15 and points of time where I have owned as few as one company in my investing time frame. But my ideal target range is to own five stocks. And I think pretty soon I will own six and go down from seven to six and I very recently owned as high as 10. But I'm trying to own five companies because they're all trying to fit this individual performance. I have to have high confidence, 80, 90, 95% confidence that that particular investment will be successful before I buy it. And I'm not building a portfolio so much as a set of individual companies that I want to perform on their own. Now, when you're listening to us, if you're not a concentrated investor, what I need you to take away from it is that as a diversified investor, you need to look at understanding why those companies you're looking at are different. If you're building a diversified portfolio, why would you look at quality companies over lower quality companies? There's been a lot of research on the outperformance of net-net companies, and these are basically companies that are trading for less than the cash on hand, or deep value companies, incredibly, incredibly cheap companies, but not necessarily net-net companies, and how diversified portfolios of deep value and net-net companies can outperform portfolios of higher quality companies. But the only reason those work as a strategy is because the turnover rate is high. What you're doing is you're buying a lot of companies and you're allowing some to fail and some to succeed. A net-net portfolio can tolerate a 40% failure rate because the 60% success rate makes so much money that it can offset losses for the 40% a concentrated portfolio needs a failure rate much, much lower. You're talking a failure rate less than 10% in order to still meet its return target. So when you're thinking about the companies that you're researching, you need to be thinking through these filters. If you're a concentrated investor, you need to start filtering companies by quality. You need to filter companies by conviction. You need to filter companies by the Highest probability that you can attain your minimum return target. For me, my minimum return target is ten percent a year. So I have my companies ranked by order of. I think the highest quality company is the one that's going to achieve me a ninety-five percent chance of earning ten percent a year for the next ten years. That's very high hurdle to hit. The second highest quality, com- the second highest company in my ranking is expected to have a 90% chance of achieving that 10% return per year over the next 10 years. And that's assuming never selling out in that timeframe. So, but if you're a diversified portfolio, you don't need to do that. You just need to find a certain set of companies that fit a certain set of characteristics that tend to outperform when it's developed as a total portfolio. What this means is that you might be spending your time researching companies that are not important or that are not optimized for the strategy that you're implementing. I hope this is making sense. If it's not, please give me, you know, send me an email at Trey at DIY I'd love to hear your feedback on these um, podcasts, but I'm trying to make sure that I communicate this issue. And it came up as an idea because As value investors, and as investors in general, there's many different types of us. There's deep value stocks, there's quality stocks, there's momentum stocks, row stocks, there's different portfolios, there's concentrated portfolios, diversified portfolios, there's special scenarios and special events um, portfolios, those that focus on turnarounds, those that focus on buyouts, all sorts of stuff going on. And each person is going to have a unique take on what they're looking for. And I find it interesting because I put out a a piece on Twitter on January 1st, and it was basically that my top investing goal for 2020 was to find one company that's worthy of putting 20% of my portfolio into. And then the second piece was to actually put uh, 20% of my portfolio into the company. And what I've found is incredible is the number of people that have sent me ideas simply because I published that and they're offering me ideas for what stocks might meet that criteria. Now, some of the stocks that I've received meet that type of criteria. They're the type of company that would allow me to be able to put 20% of my money into it. They're high quality. They're growing. They're a company where you could build a high conviction. I haven't found these ideas yet. I haven't, I mean, I haven't researched all of them to say, Oh, I've found my 20% investment for the year. But I can quickly look at an idea and determine, is this a type of company that fits my investing style? Is this the type of company that I could put 20% of my portfolio in? Does it have catastrophic risk? If it does, I eliminate it. Can the earnings be predicted 10 years out, 5 years out? Can I put a prediction on earnings five years in the future for 2024, 2029, and say, this is a small range where I think the earnings will be? If not, it doesn't fit my investing style. It might fit yours, but it doesn't fit mine. Another one was, are these companies that face a lot of business risk? is there a lot of competition? If it faces a lot of competition, it can't fit into a concentrated, high-conviction portfolio. A lot of retail companies fall into this. If you think about the amount of competition that a retail company is, even if it's copying and pasting its business across the world, let's say something like how McDonald's grew. McDonald's doesn't change from one McDonald's to another. They buy land, they put it in a store, They sell hamburgers, buy land, put in a store, sell hamburgers. They're franchising across the world as they grow. This is true for many retail businesses that become chains. They expand in a framework that's the same thing each time. Is that predictable? Yes, but it's not predictable in the sense that you don't know how that growth rate will will work in the long run, because they're heavily dependent upon the same store sales. If same store sales go up, the stock's going to do incredibly well as operational leverage will allow them to increase profits above and beyond their revenue growth rate. But if same store sales decline, you have a huge catastrophic risk for the performance of the stock in your portfolio. So some companies like a McDonald's, like a Starbucks, are able to be successful and a high conviction pick on them would perform very well. But they also would have worked well in a diversified portfolio because they were able to compound for such a long period of time. Those type of companies are a better fit for that diversified portfolio because it means you can tolerate the ones that don't work. Meanwhile, I'm looking for those companies that have a very strong moat and they're very durable. These are companies that I can predict will be here 30, 50 years from now, because if I know the company's going to be around in 50 years, or if I know the manufacturing plant is going to be around in 50 years, then I also know that the earnings should be pretty reliable 10 years into the future if the company's going to for sure going to be around 50 years into the future. And that's the hurdle that I'm trying to hit on some of my investments. I'm not saying this is what you need to do. What I am trying to communicate is that you need to know and be aware what are the filters that I'm looking for in my portfolio. Is price the most important thing? Is quality the most important thing? Is momentum the most important thing? Is growth the most important thing? You need to understand how these factors that influence your return, affect your stock selection in your portfolio. You see, portfolio management is more than simply finding stocks to buy. Portfolio management means understanding the impact of the individual choices you make in your stocks that affect the overall portfolio performance. Depending upon your portfolio, The failure of one stock can either be inconsequential, expected, or devastating. You need to understand what your success rate is targeted at for your portfolio. Is a 50% success rate reasonable? Is a 60% success rate reasonable? Is a 90% success rate reasonable? Or is potentially a 30% success rate reasonable? Before you say that a 30% success rate is unreasonable, just remember if you had a 30% hit rate in baseball, you'd be one of the best hitters in the professional league. You need to be aware of what the success rate is that your portfolio requires based upon the stocks you're selecting and the total number of stocks you hold before you can truly understand the performance expectations for your portfolio as a whole. In summary, portfolio management is a critical means by which an investor implements their investing strategy. Everything flows from your portfolio decisions, including returns, risk, and your general feelings and emotions of investing during your investing time frame. Therefore, it is critical to align your portfolio and stock selection with your chosen strategy. Concentrated investors should not be buying deep value stocks. By the same token, diversified portfolios are better able to incorporate coin flip or expected value stocks with binary potential and a high expected value across multiple companies. Don't make the mistake of building a diversified portfolio with stocks that fit in a concentrated portfolio and vice versa. Thank you for listening to this show. The full show notes for this episode, including my outline for today's podcast, are available at diyinvesting.org slash episode 63. Finally, this is a listener-supported podcast. If you gained value from today's content, please consider supporting the show financially as a patron. You can become a patron at diyinvesting.org slash P-A-T-R-O-N. Your financial support is what allows me to continue creating this free investing content without any advertisements. If you choose to become a patron of the show, you'll receive exclusive insights into my personal investing process through the DIYinvesting.org membership program. Once again, you can find out more information at DIYinvesting.org slash patron. Thank you for listening. And until next time, stop paying fees, start building wealth. Thank you for listening to the DIY Investing Podcast